You're listening to Nostalgia Club, the podcast where we look back on our favorite childhood stories and revisit them as adults. At least one of us hasn't read or watched these series, so we also get a first-timer's opinion. Spoiler alert, we will be discussing storylines and future events beyond the first books and episodes, so proceed with caution. Welcome back to Nostalgia Club here today, coming straight into your ear holes. We're going to be discussing a little anime by the name of Naruto. Perhaps you've heard of it, whether having grown up with it, who am I kidding? You could be as old as I am now, 28, and have a kid who knows Naruto, (laughs) because this thing... It, it just keeps on going. You may be That's more true. familiar with its successor series, which is currently airing, Boruto, which is about So you Naruto's mean today son. we're talking about Boruto's dad? We're talking about Boruto's dad. <laughs> Victoria has an axe to grind with the specific phrase, Boruto's dad. No, I just think it's really funny, but also it gives me kind of an existential crisis that there are kids growing up who did not watch the original Naruto and they're just watching Boruto. And as such, they only know Naruto as Boruto's dad, which is a little bit sad. All these kids watching the Robert Pattinson, Christopher Nolan, Zippity Zoop Batman movies. I remember Adam West. Yeah. Time marches on. We are but <laughs> dust in the wind. Oh. Well, luckily, we're not discussing all of the future events going on now with Naruto. We're going back to the beginning, folks. Back to when Naruto is like, what, 12 years old? The beginning of the series, the whole thing. They were so small. This is something that Victoria and I are familiar with. Gino had an awareness of it and kind of kept up with it, I think you said. Quick disclaimer at the beginning, by the way, because there's so much Naruto and so much that happens. To be honest, probably going to get some things wrong. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot that I don't remember. Same. Oh, dang. I'm so mad. I have a a Sand Village headband I was going to wear today. Oh, no. We should have worn our Naruto headbands for (sighs) this recording. We all have to get Sound Village headbands. I know. It'd be really funny. Oh, also for context, because, again, there's so much Naruto. We watched, like, the first couple episodes, and then we skipped a bunch and then went right to the Chunin exams. Yes. I actually kind of want to get ahead of this real quick. Some people may be like, what do you mean you skipped the Land of Waves arc? It's the first big arc. And some would say it's the only self-contained arc in Naruto. That's true, yeah. Because once you're at the tuning exams, it just kind of keeps going until the end of Shippuden. There's never really a clean break, it feels like. Yeah. Even with the tuning exams, we kind of stop in the middle. Yeah. We only watched kind of the the initial fights. Yeah. Yeah. But the reason we made that choice is because it just would have been too many episodes and we have a limited amount of time. And we wanted to get to the tuning exams because that's when we get a lot of really fun side characters and supporting cast that are around till the end of the series and beyond. So with that in mind, Gino, tell us about your experience, your recent experience, as well as your old experience with Naruto. Hi, I'm Gino. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't do our proper introductions at the beginning. We're restarting the episode. Hi! Welcome to Nostalgia Club. (laughs) I'm Michael, a podcast editor. With me is... Victoria, another podcast editor. And... Gino. I get their coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And he also has not watched Naruto, and he's going to tell us all about it. Yeah. So, Naruto, from what I understand, was a popular manga series. It was a member of, uh, I believe, a sort of manga renaissance along with... Bleach and One Piece, those were like the big three 
I remember they were Shonen the big Jump three for a while. Yeah. yeah, Shonen Jump was a phrase that got thrown around a lot, but I don't really know what that means. I think it was a magazine. Yeah, Shonen yeah. Jump is like the big magazine and now like publisher of manga series. Yeah. Just like any successful manga, it was very quickly adapted into an anime, and then the anime very rapidly outpaced the manga. So there's a lot of filler episodes. A lot of filler episodes. They were writing as fast as they could, but they just couldn't write fast enough. My experience with Naruto growing up, my family didn't have cable. We didn't really watch TV. It just like wasn't really a thing that we did. So I only ever watched the show when I was at my piano teacher's house waiting for her to finish up lessons with a previous student. Oh, wow. So there was a small waiting room and there was a TV in there and I would just turn it on to whatever channel Naruto was on. I don't even remember (laughs) which channel that was. I watched an arc. They were like replaying a few episodes where there was like a lady with a big slug and then a guy with a big snake and then a guy with a big frog and they would like stand and yell at each other for a while. (laughs) And then the slug got cut up into a bunch of tiny slugs. I don't know what was happening there. (laughs) But in fourth, fifth, sixth grade in my school, Naruto exploded in popularity. Everyone was reading the manga specifically. There were a couple kids who had the entire manga sets or they would borrow them from the library. There were even some manga in like the school bookshelves and they were extremely popular. So the kids who had the manga books became very popular because they would dish them out Mm. uh, like they were dealing drugs. (laughs) And kids were like, you got any of that Naruto? And they'd be like, I got books 15, 17 and 32. Which ones do you want? And they're like, oh, man, I need I need 20. I need 20. And they're like, listen, 20 is being loaned out. You got two people in front of you. But. Pass me five bucks. I can move <laughs> you up the, the, line. the line. Something like that. I read a collection of Naruto manga books. I don't know which ones I read, <laughs> and I don't think I read them in order. I know Naruto and Sasuke fight at one point. I know that could be anything. That could be anything. They fight a lot. I know there's a big <laughs> what costume What was Sasuke change. wearing? <laughs> That's our only marker for if it was even at the beginning or later in the series, I guess. Was it cargo pants or long pants? I think it was their first big blowout blowout fight, the uh, waterfall and something. Yeah, okay. But the water fight. For those who don't know, uh, if you've gotten this far into the podcast without knowing anything about Naruto, congratulations. But it is a series about a boy who is a ninja or he wants to be a ninja in this ninja society growing up in the hidden leaf village where everyone's just ninjas or shopkeepers i guess if you're boring <laughs> as i understand it the reason you get a lot of ninjas in the hidden leaf village or any of the other ninja villages is kind of like am i the only one here who's like southern california born yeah. and raised yes okay well you probably know about this anyway it's sort of like if you're born and raised in southern california there's a decent fair chance at one point or another you're going to work for walt disney parks <laughs> Mm, mm. Uh, which I did at one point versus if you were born and raised in, I don't know, literally anywhere in any other state, there's less of a chance, unless you're in Florida, that you'll work for Walt Disney Parks. I think it's kind of like that. I don't know. uh, I worked for Walt Disney Parks, but the commute was really long, so I stopped. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Driving from Colorado. Yeah, I drove all the way. I drove 18 hours a day (laughs) to work at Disney. (laughs) But, uh... That's why most people who are like 12 years of age in this city are like, you're going to be a ninja, right? You're going to join the magical military? Yeah. Yeah, you are. Get in that school. Okay, to be fair, if I was a 12-year-old and my options were regular school and ninja school, (laughs) what am I going to choose? Although I think most of the people, they come from a long lineage of ninjas. 
It's also kind of how they put the teams together at the beginning. Usually when they put the teams together, they already have an idea of what your abilities are going to be based on your parents. So all of these little baby ninjas, all these child soldiers, they each have a thing. They've got a magical ability, and also Sakura is there. And <laughs> these abilities are called jutsu, and they use this energy inside their body called chakra to create these powerful, magical, or superhuman effects. You can also do other things with them, but people, from what I can tell, have one thing they like to do, and they stick to it. So Naruto clones himself. Sasuke breathes fire and electricity or something. Joji gets big. Joji gets big. Ten Ten throws things. Throws lots of <laughs> sharp of objects. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to me because you have this wide variety of magical and superhuman abilities that everyone theoretically has access to and most people are like, I got my one thing. I'm made of bugs. That's my one thing. I'm not going to do anything else. <laughs> So there are these hidden ninja societies, hidden leaf villages, and there are hidden villages. And they're always fighting with each other, but also they're not. And everyone's just kind of always on edge, but they're also they're not. And the conflict needs to start somehow. So there's this creepy guy who licks things. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. one guy's a dog. That's his thing. He's got a dog. He's got a dog. And also he's a dog. Sort of. Kind of. He takes... During the exam, he takes, they're described as military ration pills. They're food pills. Food yeah. pills. And I'm like, is that just like, is that just supposed to be like, I think it's cocaine drugs. or something? <laughs> well, Naruto like... even calls him out. Naruto tells the instructor or the proctor of the exam, isn't this considered doping? Yeah. And the proctor's just like, no, well, food pills are considered ninja tools, so they count. <laughs> so you can only use ninja tools. Can my ninja tool be like a suit of impenetrable armor? Yeah. <laughs> and a teleportation belt? I mean, and... technically, Gara literally has a suit of impenetrable armor. Yeah, how's that fair? Exactly, yeah. It's kind of, uh, it's hazy. Here's the big thing about Naruto, the reason he's sort of like special in the series, is that when he was a little baby, like newborn, there was this giant spirit. This, they alternate between calling it a spirit or like a demon. Uh, it's called the nine-tailed fox. Basically picture a giant, red, very violent fox with literally nine tails. And it was attacking the hidden leaf village. And so the fourth Hokage, the Hokage being basically the leader of this hidden leaf village, performed a special jutsu that sealed the nine-tailed fox spirit away inside his son, this little baby boy Naruto. Spoilers. The the fourth Hokage is Naruto's dad. Is that, was that? Or Boruto's grandpa. Hey, there he <laughs> is. Hey, there he is. Full circle. Was that something you knew, Gino? I knew that. I knew okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Naruto has a demon inside his belly. There's a little swirl to indicate where it is. And he's been cursed. And everyone hates him because he's a child. <laughs> The reason why Naruto is the way he is at the beginning of the series is because the entire village blames him or at least associates this big attack with Naruto because it happened on the day that he died. They know that... The day he was born. Sorry. <laughs> he was in and out like that. <laughs> the day that he was born, the day that his parents died, and... They're kind of afraid of him. Yeah, they're I mean, afraid they're like, of him. Because... You've got a demon inside you. Who knows what it's going to do with you? Yeah, like what you're and at any do. point, they fear that this demon could be released again and wreak havoc on the village once again. 
As a result, Naruto grows up being very isolated and not understanding why everyone in the village hates him. And so he starts acting out. He pulls a lot of pranks on the village to try and get attention, which kind of worsens his reputation reputation in the village. (laughs) He can come off as selfish, but he does care about those around him. He just has never had anyone care about him. Mm -hmm. So that's his first priority is he needs people to know he exists in the room and he wants respect. Yeah. He goes from being this kid that the entire village hates, and eventually, at the very end, he does win the respect and love of the people around him, and he does become the Hokage. And it helps that he can go Super Saiyan. That's true. Yeah. And it takes a really long time to get there, but we made it in the end. (laughs) Uh, So, now that you're aware that everything turns out okay for Naruto, let's talk about everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious, Gino, after watching Naruto, were there any particular characters that stuck out to you? Because obviously we don't have time to talk about all the characters. I have some of my favorite characters I want to talk about. And I know Michael has some of his favorite (laughs) characters. But let's start with who kind of stuck out to you initially. As a kid, with my very limited exposure to Naruto, and I just want to reiterate that Naruto was huge among my friend group. Like, we would practice jutsus in the playground, we would draw stick figures fighting with shuriken and kunai. That was like the thing. Anytime people drew a stick figure, they had a shuriken or a kunai (laughs) or a headband with hidden leaf symbols. Shuriken and kunai are very easy to draw. I would doodle a lot of those myself in the margins of my notes. Sasuke was the favorite among the friend group because of his cool, edgy demeanor and his chidori. 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 There we go. I'm going to mispronounce a lot of Japanese words and names. I'm so sorry, Japan. (laughs) Japan is listening. (laughs) (laughs) The entire country of Japan. The entire country is tuned in through one computer. (laughs) That's why our listening numbers are so low. (laughs) (laughs) Don't admit it on the cast. (laughs) We have to to pretend so far their only metric is the three reviews we have on (laughs) Apple Podcasts. But if we keep quiet about it, they'll never know. (laughs) But yeah, Sasuke was the big one that everyone liked. When I started watching the show again for this podcast... What's his name? Kakashi? Shikamaru. Bakugan guy, but it's not Bakugan. Byakugan. 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 Neji. Uh, Neji. Neji. I know it's Byakugan now, but it really looks like he's just yelling, Bakugan! <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I did watch all of this. I watched the first few episodes, and I went, oh, it's so <laughs> oh. slow. <laughs> so I watched the entire series, fast-forwarded at 1.5 speed. Does this make me a heathen? Probably. But that's okay, because you don't you know don't where I live. The years of childhood nostalgia to warrant you sitting through all the backstory flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I sat there and I was like, oh, this is so important for later on. <laughs> <laughs> so Neji, a lot of people have cool eye powers. Kashi's got one. Sasuke's got one. Neji and Hinata have them. So I was like, Neji, so cool. And then we get to Neji's first fight in the exams. And it turns out he's a, he's not very nice. <laughs> I don't want to curse. I guess his reasoning is justified in a way, but the way he goes about it to a character who doesn't really deserve it is unflattering to his uh, Gino score. (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying. I I did want to, because Neji is one of my favorite characters. He's just like a really fascinating character, but definitely at the beginning, his entire personality is, I think that I am just destined to 
die. He thinks that his whole life's purpose is to die for basically his family. The way that the Huga clan is set up is that there's a main family and then there's side branch families. And even though Neji's father is a twin to Hinata's father, he's considered part of the branch family. I think because probably one was born maybe a few seconds earlier. One of those weird things. Yeah. What we learn later on is that also, if you're part of the branch families, you're literally branded with a cursed seal on your forehead. It has several purposes. One is that it prevents other people from stealing your eyes, your byakugan, when you die. A common theme in Naruto is that because all these people have all these powerful eyes, when you die, it's also common for people to try to steal them, or people will just try to hunt you down for the purpose of stealing your eyes, because it comes with a lot of power. And if you're not born with it, you gotta steal it. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> Literally stealing eyes, like yeah. taking them like out they of the take socket. Them out. Yeah. And then they'll like transplant them into their own. And that's what Kakashi did. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, it's a unique case. Yeah. That's a unique case. Let's we'll we'll just say Kakashi was given the eye. Yeah. Okay. He did not by, steal it by a former teammate who was like, let's say, at the end of his life, as far as we know. Okay. And that's yeah. why Kakashi has one Sharingan eye. Because yeah. I do know that. I don't know why I know that, but I do know that when he was young, his team was Goggles Boy <laughs> and Other One. And Rin. Rin. And he was like, I am here. And then they died. Yeah. Yes. And it was real. Tr- Someone got crushed by a boulder, maybe? That was Goggles Boy. Goggles Boy. Goggles boy gets crushed by a boulder. And then Rin, I don't know. And Kakashi's traumatized, and he takes it out on uh, porn books. <laughs> he, we'll say he reads uh, smutty romance novels. There we go. That's what we'll do. <laughs> there's, there's a different character who's a lot worse about yeah. that stuff. So we can at least give Kakashi a little bit of his dignity. <laughs> um, anyways... Back to the Hyuga clan. <laughs> <laughs> Back to classism. Also, if you're part of the branch families, you're literally branded with a cursed seal on your forehead. Yes, yeah, so not only does it have the functional purpose of basically protecting the Byakugan, although notice that the main branch family does not have to have this cursed seal to protect their eyes, it also enables the main branch family to torture the branch family they basically have like a hand sign that they can use to activate it neji was traumatized by it as a kid because he saw his uncle use it on his father it can actually get to the point where it can fry your nerve cells and kill you so it really is a strong motivator for the branch family to never act out against the main family and i think that that was the point of it right in addition yeah. to protecting like the 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 ability of the byakugan which is their whole special proprietary thing it's like a succession stabilizer where it's yeah. like it ensures no one's going to try to overtake the head family because at a moment's notice, anyone with a potential claim, any blood relative can be just put into a state of torture and turmoil yeah. by the current head of the clan. So what happens is I think the rule is whenever the next head of the clan turns three years old, regardless of how old you are, you will be branded with the seal. So Neji was only four when Hinata turned three. So that's when he got this cursed seal and he's been living with it ever since. What he didn't know is that 
when Hinata was really young, someone tried to kidnap her or something and take her Byakugan. And in order to get her back, he sent the clan a ransom and was like, hey, I'll give her back if you give me the clan head. And because Neji's father is the twin and they look identical, he said, I will go instead. And he sacrificed himself for the family because he knew that if he turned himself in for ransom, they would get Hinata back. And when he died, the Byakugan would be sealed. So everything would turn out safely. But Neji wasn't told that his father sacrificed himself willingly. Neji just assumed that he was forced to because of the whole branch family thing. So Neji grows up thinking, I'm part of the branch family. My whole purpose in life is to die for my clan because that's what my father did. I have no choice in the matter. If I said no, they would just use this curse seal on me. So that's it. And he grows up with a lot of resentment for Hinata because he she's sees kind her of, as responsible. Yeah, he sees her as responsible. She's the reason why he got the curse seal in the first place, technically, in a way. And also, he sees her as weak. She gets powerful later on, but at the beginning of the series, she's not really fully sure of herself, and he doesn't think she's worthy of being the next head of the clan. And so he takes that all out on her at the Chunin exams because I think it's maybe the only opportunity he gets where he can actually, <laughs> like, harm Hinata without yeah. getting consequences. You can just imagine in his head because there's a... The Chunin exams, just to overview, is a series of tests in which all of these young ninja who are the rank of what's called Genin um, have the opportunity to go through several tests and become what are called Chunin, which is just a higher rank of ninja. It's a status thing, rank thing. Everyone wants to get through the Chunin exams. The thing is, they're very tough. Yeah. And we see that in that when <laughs> the exams start, all of our characters who are around, what, 12, see that a lot of other applicants are repeat applicants. And they're like into their teens there's some that have been trying to make it through this exam for years yeah they meet the character of kabuto yeah who is also another important character and he's taken the exam seven times (laughs) which is a uh, lot he he uh he sort of briefs our our characters on uh the way the whole system works and why it exists this Mm -hmm. idea that the other ninja nations will send their young genin to a single nation that is hosting the tuning exams in this case it's the leaf village to take the the tuning exams and it sort of promotes unity among the ninja nations so they don't go to, like, full-on hot war against each other again. Yeah. It allows them to sort of vent their martial frustrations against <laughs> each other. This is something that the third Hokage, who, by the way, we mentioned the fourth Hokage, sacrifices himself to seal the nine-tailed fox spirit in Naruto. After that happens, the Leaf Village was like, well, I guess we'll just bring back the third Hokage. Yeah. <laughs> third Hokage fourth... doesn't get to retire. Yeah. He's gotta he... come back. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the third Okage ends up explaining to the ninja that make it to, like, the final stage of the tuning exams, like, so you were all told that this is uh, to promote unity among the ninja nations. It's also so that we can just vent our anger against each other. <laughs> and you are, in a way, the sacrificial lambs to do that. Fun. Um, yeah, we just pitch you against each other, and you have this basically tournament system where you all fight in proctored matches, and then all these visiting dignitaries can see which ninja that are advancing potentially to tuning are really great and who they want to hire for certain missions. And it presents a very interesting world detail that, as far as I know, never really comes back because things go off the rails. After all that setup of kind of the geopolitics between all the villages, it kind of all goes away because then everyone has to unite to fight against bad people. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, 
Let's talk a little bit about Sasuke and Sakura, and then we'll talk about Orochimaru. Yes. So, Gino, tell us about Sasuke. Sasuke, from what I know, was a little baby when his brother... Older brother. Older brother decided to, for reasons I'm not aware of, murder his entire village. Yeah. The hidden... Sasuke Village. <laughs> it was one of the one of the clans they, that hidden leaf. He village. killed his the entire Uchiha clan. So like the Huga have a clan, and there's other gotcha. ninjas that yeah. have clans. He Again, killed. like with families and family lines being very important in this series. Yes. The Uchiha clan is known for their Sharingan, and so that's um, their special red their eyes sh- power. Their eye power. All these eye powers, like we said. Um, just, just to review, just so we have some context, the Sharingan is a special power of the Uchiha clan has that it's kind of vague it gives them like extraordinary perception i think when they're really good at it it almost gives them a form of like precognition where they're able to read their opponent's moves to such a fine detail that they can predict what they're going to do in the heat of the moment before they even do it sasuke also used it to copy some moves right he saw lee uh rockley small bowl cut boy beat him (laughs) up real bad with a super cool flying kick move and yeah. then Sasuke repeated it against the next opponent and then Naruto tried to do that also and he kind of did his own thing and Kakashi also has a Sharingan? Kakashi has a Sharingan because uh, when Kakashi was a kid one of his teammates was from the Uchiha clan gotcha it's yeah. interesting that Goggles Boy and Sasuke are from the same family that's an interesting visual but anyway Sasuke <laughs> was a little baby little boy his brother murders his entire clan and leaves Sasuke traumatizing him and Sasuke has grown up with a singular mission. I need to take revenge on the person who killed my clan, aka my brother. So his entire life goal is to become strong enough to take down his brother. And that's it. That's all he cares about. (laughs) He's super popular in school. All the girls like him. All the boys want to be his friend. He's got rivals who hate him. He has teachers who are super impressed with him. The leadership's like Sasuke's going to go great. Sasuke doesn't care about any of that. Sasuke wants to kill his brother, and he's so focused on that that he's able to be manipulated by these third parties who take advantage of his quest for power, Mm. and he eventually goes rogue, and he punches Naruto real hard on a waterfall, and then his (laughs) pants get huge. (laughs) Uh, That's all I know about Sasuke. Oh, he's got his cool electric hand thing where he, like, grips his hand real hard, and he's like, ah, Chitori, or something. His special, that's a Kakashi jutsu. Yeah. And Kakashi, like, takes him aside between the the preliminary stage of the tuning exams (laughs) when when the proctors are like, whoa, a lot of you made it through the second stage. We weren't exactly expecting that. You're all going to fight right now and then we'll hold the actual third stage a few months later and so that's why all those kids immediately after finishing the second stage of the exams have to like fight each other in one-on-one quote-unquote death matches yeah kakashi really cares about sasuke sasuke gets cursed at one point he gets injured multiple times and kakashi's always there trying to pick him back up sakura her backstory is that she was a kid and her best friend was there and they were (laughs) they were like rivals but also they were best friends and they like the same boy. Sasuke. Sasuke. Yeah. Well, the whole thing is that Sakura and Ino, who's the best friend or ex-best friend character, they used to be really close as kids. And then when they decide or when they decided. <laughs> when they decided to start liking people. <laughs> <laughs> when they realized that they both like Sasuke, that kind of put a rift in their friendship, which, again, is stupid. <laughs> 
Sakura is one of those characters who has fantastic potential, but it's clear that the series doesn't really know how to write women. And <laughs> yep. that's that's clear from two factors. It's one, most of the women in the series either have no personality or one personality trait that they drive into the ground until they're <laughs> extremely unlikable. Or two, there aren't really very many women in the series. Whenever there's a group of ninjas, it's always like 10 unique guys and woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And her personality trait is usually, I like Sasuke. So it's yeah. so, unfortunate. Kind of looking forward to Sakura's character development, she does become a really powerful ninja in her own right. She ends up becoming the apprentice of Tsunade, who becomes the fifth Hokage. Yeah. Spoilers. Uh, during the final stage of the tuning exams, all heck breaks loose, and there's a whole conspiracy that's revealed. Suffice it to say, the third Hokage gets murked, and they suddenly need a new Hokage. His hat was too big. Yeah, too big of a hat, too old of a man. <laughs> <laughs> and so, as part of Naruto going off and learning more about his own self, Sasuke, as you said, goes rogue and finds Orochimaru, who we'll talk about in a sec, Yes. to make him more powerful. A classic Anakin going to Darth Sidious kind of thing, like, give me the power to do whatever I want. Naruto goes and finds this guy named Jiraiya. Um, Frogman! Frogman, who was an old teammate of Orochimaru's. Yes, actually, another thing that is a recurring theme in this series is that a lot of things center around the relationships between your teammates. Jiraiya was very hard-headed and precocious, like Naruto. Yes. Orochimaru was very obsessed with a single goal, like Sasuke. And then Tsunade was precocious in her own way and very willful, which is what Sakura grows into. Yes. Tsunade becomes the fifth Hokage, and then later on she takes on Sakura as an apprentice. So Sakura becomes a healer, and she also, I can't remember, like, learns a lot of other cool Tsunade things. She can summon the slug that Tsunade yes. summons. Yeah, and later on Naruto can summon the frogs. Does Sasuke oh. ever summon snakes? He does. It, I think it's called like Manda or something, the giant snake that ah, Orochimaru yes. yeah, summons. Yeah. I think he summons it like once. And it's just because Sasuke take doesn't a hit. stay with Orochimaru as long as Naruto and Sakura stay with yeah. Jiraiya and Tsunade for obvious reasons. For, yeah, Sakura does she have like a cool thing? Yes. What's her cool thing? Her cool thing is punch real hard. Yeah. <laughs> That's her cool thing. Well, yeah. here, here's the thing, and we get a little bit of this in these early episodes, but mm -hmm. it says something that I had to like actually look up the characters on the wiki to get like just the raw information <laughs> because there's just so much spread over so many episodes in Naruto that apparently Sakura's big thing is that she's extremely good at chakra control. Yeah. Okay. That's why she becomes a really good healer because healing is all about chakra control. A lot of her powers and abilities that Tsunade trains her in are related to chakra control. So the reason why she can punch so hard is because she basically like kind of forms like a chakra fist and just like punches people with it. Okay, cool. They do mention that a little bit yeah. in her But in comparatively her fight. to Sasuke who is like from the Uchiha clan and has the Sharingan and Naruto who has the nine-tailed fox demon sealed inside him, Sakura does not seem so overwhelmingly cool. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sakura's the kind of character who I really want to root for because her whole moveset compared to everyone else's is more, I guess, grounded in the yeah. reality of the world. Yeah. 
Sasuke has his crazy curse and like a big sword. I'm 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 pulling at strings here. Naruto <laughs> Naruto can like clone himself and turn into a big demon, and Sakura is like, I'm just really good at the basics. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. really good at what everyone else is supposed to be really good at. And so I really, really wanted to like her character and really want to support her. And I know there's a lot of like Sakura hate online as well. A lot of people which hate I, Sakura. Feels unfounded. Yeah, it's you know, partially because like there's always like the oh female character gets in the way of my ship, so we're gonna hate her for no reason. Yeah. Um, and in general, the female characters in Naruto do get a lot of hate because they're seen as kind of weaker compared to the male characters, which is kind of true because again. All the male characters get their super cool, like, Byakugan. I mean, Hinata has Byakugan, but she's also, like, this shy, meek girl for half the series. Yeah. For the female characters, we have Sakura, who at the beginning, her entire personality is just her crush on Sasuke. There's a little more. There's a little more, but, like... In her fight with Ino, there's this whole thing of, like... Because I think, Gino, you mentioned this. She, there's, there's this, like, visual sort of gag that they play where Sakura will be very... I don't know, like tra- traditional in her mannerisms in a way where she doesn't try and make too much of a splash. But on the inside, they show this line art of her like inner fire, her inner yeah. spirit. Whenever something happens that she really likes on the outside, she's like, oh, that's great. And on the inside, she's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of rises to the forefront. Yeah, later on, inner Sakura kind of meshes with outward Sakura. I'm a big fan of inner Sakura. Yeah. It's also super cool in her fight with Eno when Eno tries to mind possess her, and yeah. then Eno's like, "There's another person in here." Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. So then we have Eno, who she comes from a family line where their whole thing is mind possession jutsu. Actually, the trio of Eno, Shikamaru, and Choji, their whole family, like, it's a thing. They all try to have kids at the same time so they can all be on the same team. I did because, not know that. Yeah, because their powers go together. They're called, like, the Eno Shikacho combo or something. All of their kids' names have to start with Eno, Shika, and Cho, oh, which is huh, why yeah. you have Eno, who's just Eno. But <laughs> later on, like, when Eno has a kid, her kid is named, like, Eno something. Like, I don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't say. But, but then Shikamaru has a kid, and his kid is named Shikadai. And then Choji has a kid, and I think her name is like Cho Cho or something. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Cho Cho. Yeah. Anyway, so it's like a thing. Even like their parents okay. have the same thing. That's an interesting strategy. Yeah. <laughs> also, combat. gotta be real awkward when it comes time to like actually try to start having children. Like, yeah. You got like you... a spreadsheet on. You're like, all right. <laughs> Three couples together, like, okay, <laughs> we got this month. <laughs> then there's Tamari, who is from the Sand Village. She's super cool. She has a big fan. I um, love Tamari. I love Tamari, too. Like a lot of other female characters in Naruto, kind of thin, but yeah. she's got a lot of personality mm-hmm. that, even though she doesn't have a lot going on in terms of backstory and all that, as far as I remember, again. Well, her thing is that her she's the sister of Konkuro and Gara, and they have their whole family backstory of trauma yeah it's like a surrogate surrogate sibling thing right no no no, they're actually siblings they're actually siblings yeah but she because so okay we're jumping around a lot because there's so many characters (sighs) the whole thing with gara is that he's also a tailed beast (laughs) (laughs) so these three people are from the hidden sand village yes not the hidden leaf village where all these other characters are from yeah they're pretty much one of the few characters that we get as, like, primary characters that we see a lot of from another village that's not the Hidden Leaf Village. The three of them are siblings. Gara, we learn, is also a tailed beast host. Like Naruto, he has the one-tailed beast, I believe. Again, 
Gara's mom died while giving birth to Gara, and as a result, he grew up like very ostracized by the village. Everyone was afraid of him. He kind of went the opposite direction of Naruto, where he just became very cold and cruel and callous. Actually, his friendship with Naruto later on is really great because they kind of come together. Naruto's kind of the one person that can understand him and what he's been through. And as a result, Naruto kind of helps Gara become cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then later on, Gara becomes the leader of his village at the age of 15, by the way. Yeah, there's some... I mean, look, if we make an, an analog to this world to like, I don't know, way back in history, sometimes weird stuff like that happens. Yeah. Although the technology level of this world is so variable that it's definitely not based in the past. It's a little confusing because they're using kunai as their main weapon, but they also have electronics. Eh. I I think there's a valid argument that the Naruto world is post-apocalyptic. That's true, yeah. Although the further you get in the series, the more you get some interesting lore (laughs) that I think technically involves aliens. Oh, I forgot all about that. Quote unquote aliens or it's like beings from the stars or something. We probably won't discuss yes, that. Yes, no, this is too far in the future. Things just go off the rails. Anyways, back to the female characters. Yes. There's Ten Ten, who's another one of my favorite characters. But her whole thing is that she wanted to become a legendary ninja like Tsunade. Tsunade is her hero. She wanted to become basically what Sakura becomes, which is Tsunade's personal apprentice. Oh, no. Yeah, but Ten Ten learns early on that she doesn't have the level of chakra control that is required to do all the things that Tsunade does. And so as a result, Ten Ten just dedicates herself to being the best ninja to her own ability. So that's why she gets really good at using weapons. That's her whole thing is she seals weapons inside scrolls and then activates the seal and then just rains down a whole plethora of items. Not just kunai, but also like giant shuriken and like scythes and hammers and everything. Anything she could find. Anything she could get her hands on. She's like, put them in the scroll. I'm going to drop them on people. Those are mainly, at least for Naruto's generation, those are the female characters. Okay. And, like, they're pretty cool. I would say they're pretty cool, but I guess for the main audience of Naruto watchers, they're not as cool as, say, Sasuke and Naruto. <laughs> I think that's a problem with writing as well. Yeah. yeah. That's not the character's fault. It's, it's not just... the character's fault They have a lot of great potential. Yeah. Each character has their own great moments and their great arcs. Like, I could go into it for a very long time, which we don't have time for. But I would say the female characters are really cool. They're what drew me to the series initially. Wow. And now the opposite of cool. Man who licks things. Man who licks things. Let's talk about Orochimaru. Gino, tell us about Orochimaru. I don't know. Okay, no. I was going to say, Michael, you need to tell us about Orochimaru. He's weird. He's got a long tongue. He licks things. Whenever Sasuke does anything mildly interesting, he has like a small orgasm. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I hate that. Honestly. He put tubes in a guy's arms. Yeah, okay. Orochimaru's whole thing is that he was kicked out of the village for experimenting on people. Mm -hmm. He used to be part of the Hidden Leaf Village. So they have a tiny smidgen of ethics in the ninja world. Yes. They draw the well. Yeah. They draw the line at human experimentation. I yeah, think. the they children draw, can kill each other. They draw the line at human experimentation. They don't draw the line at genociding a whole clan. Yeah, we'll talk More about on that, that later. In a bit. <laughs> More on that later. Uh oh. 
Orochimaru experiments on people. We see in some of the early Chunin exam episodes that he has basically found kids off the street and trained them to be his pawns and disposable objects in his long game, which is trying to get Sasuke under his control. So all the sound ninja are Orochimaru's kind of minions. But we see in a flashback that, at least for one of the sound ninja, he was recruited when he was kind of an orphan on the streets. He had nothing to eat. He was beat up by some other street bullies or uh, other people. Just some guys. Just some merchants. Just some guys. How dare you take our bread, you kid? And so this kid, Orochimaru, sees that this kid has a weakness, that he has basically a tragic backstory that Orochimaru can exploit, which is his whole thing. Yeah, Orochimaru's whole thing is that he sees directly through people's trauma and he uses that to his advantage, which is exactly what he does to Sasuke. But with this kid, he trains him, presumably. He experiments on this kid, too, by putting tubes in his arms so that he can do all the sound jutsu stuff. Yeah, he, like, blasts air and sonic waves through his arms. Yeah. The body horror in Naruto is also... (laughs) A lot. It's fun. When I was a kid and watching it, I was like, oh, wow, Shino just used his special bug powers to plug up (laughs) his kids' like arm tubes with his special like mind-controlled bugs, and that blocked up the passage and like blasted his arms open. And then, you know, I'm just a kid, so I'm like, wow, violence. (laughs) But I'm at the age where it's like, you know, starting to get... I'm at the shonen age, okay? But now I watch it and I'm like, I don't like that idea (laughs) as much anymore. And the bugs come from inside him... They yeah. live in him. Shino, another character we don't get a whole lot of, his whole clan uses these little bugs that feed on chakra. And they have a symbiotic relationship with those bugs. And for any squeamish listeners, jump forward 15 seconds. <laughs> uh, three, two, one. So Shino's clan allows the bugs to live inside them. Like and I kind think, of like a parasitic symbiotic relationship. Yeah, and they even like eat their eyes and they see through the bugs. I don't like that. Didn't know that. Yep. That's bad. A Pretty of, sure that's a lot a of thing. eye stuff in Naruto. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I just remembered that there's this whole other guy whose whole thing is stealing people's eyes and transplanting them into his arms and like body parts. Yeah, that's Donzo. That's like oh, the yeah. he- that's like the head of the Leaf CIA. <laughs> what are called the Anbu Black Ops. Yeah. Anyways. Orochimaru. So Orochimaru's whole thing is that he's after immortality. Mm. That's his like big end goal. As we all are. Because he doesn't look gross enough already. He needs to live longer so he can look even grosser. (laughs) For reference, Orochimaru is uber pale with long black hair and some like streaky purple eye makeup. Yeah. And he talks like this. And he's Sasuke. never washed his hair. His whole like visual motif is snake, literally. Yeah. He's goth Voldemort. He's, g- <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Voldemort is just like the ew. Yeah. But Orochimaru is like got all this flamboyance to him in a way that honestly, I don't like how they code him. Yeah, it's the villain queer coding thing again. Yeah. Yeah. There's one too many shots of Orochimaru admiring Sasuke and then licking his lips with Ugh. a long serpent-like tongue. Gross. It's, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. So Orochimaru's whole thing with Sasuke is about manipulating Sasuke enough the way he does with other people to the point where Sasuke is loyal to him and will do what he says to the end that eventually Orochimaru hopes to take over Sasuke's body using some bespoke forbidden ninjutsu and basically transplant his consciousness into Sasuke's body so he can keep on living longer. 
And also gain the power of the Sharingan. And also gain the power of the Sharingan. Everyone loves those Everyone magic really eyes. Everyone really wants the Sharingan. So that becomes his goal. In the second stage of the tuning exams, when all the kids are running through this dangerous jungle, and their whole objective is getting, they have like one colored scroll, and they have to get a different colored scroll by stealing it or defeating other teams. Orochimaru, who has used, again, another messed up bespoke ninjutsu to wear the skin of another applicant that he murdered disguised as this other tuning exams applicant while in this jungle where there's not a lot of supervision going on from the proctors he targets sasuke ambushes him and his team and though sasuke puts up a decent fight naruto puts up a decent fight he easily beats them because he's super powerful and he plants this curse mark on Sasuke, the effects of which are kind of vague. I don't fully remember, but it's designed to... The main to... goal of the curse mark is that when it gives Sasuke more power in a way, but it also makes him reliant on it. And then later on, Orochimaru sends another one of his minions to fight Sasuke and that person's whole thing is draining chakra so the goal is to get Sasuke so weak that he has to rely on the curse mark to win because Sasuke will not allow himself to lose so Orochimaru is like perfect we'll drain his chakra so that the only thing he can rely on is this curse seal and that will activate it and then if it takes over Sasuke completely it will kind of I think the idea is that it'll bind Sasuke's will to Orochimaru's. Something like that. Yeah. And so when you talked about Sasuke going rogue and punching Naruto on a waterfall, Mm -hmm. that's what that is. It's Sasuke coming to the conclusion after everything is over that Sasuke believes I'm not going to be able to reach the point where I'm strong enough to kill my brother on my own. I have to seek out Orochimaru. I have to use the power of the curse mark. He knows that Orochimaru is trying to manipulate him, but he goes willingly because he thinks that it's the only way to gain enough power to defeat Itachi. And Naruto just tries to stop him. Yeah. yeah. And then they both go big glowy power something. Yeah. Sasuke gets wings. That's right? the, curse the curse mark. mark. That's the curse mark. Yeah. Cool. To sum up the whole thing with Orochimaru, at the end of the tuning exams, it's revealed that the visiting Kazekage, who is the leader of the Hidden Sand Village, much like the Hokage, the mm-hmm. leader of the Hidden Leaf Village, is actually not the Kazekage at all. It's once again Orochimaru in disguise <laughs> because it's revealed much later on that Orochimaru and his minions like ambushed the Kazekage when he was alone at some point. And Orochimaru, much like he did with other people, stole his skin. And then for reasons that we suspend our disbelief for, I guess, he somehow posing as the Kazekage, manipulated a bunch of ninja in the sand village to be like, guess what's going to happen in the final stage of the tuning exams, boys? We're going to go in and we're going to invade the Hidden Leaf Village for reasons. And they all just went along with it. I guess when the Kazekage tells you to, that's what you do. Also, I feel like, in a way, the ninjas didn't need that much prompting to attack another village. The tensions are so fragile in a way That's true. that anything could kind of tip the balance. But why? Why don't the villages like each other? Is there a history there or it's are mainly, they just... They've had, I think, at least three different... Wars. Wars. And also it's just the general balance of power where they want to make sure not one village isn't too powerful because then they mm. feel threatened. Another reason why the Chunin exams are held is so the other villages can kind of suss out the upcoming ninjas, which, to be honest, if I was them and I was like, look, 
they have Sasuke and Naruto and (laughs) (laughs) all these other characters. I'd be like, hmm, the Hidden Leaf Village is looking pretty strong right now. (laughs) Orochimaru takes full advantage of this. And then I forget why he's trying to kill a third Okage. I think he's after some special jutsu that the third Okage has. It's always like some special jutsu or just general destabilization. Orochimaru gets away with it. He does something very interesting in that he reveals he's able to resurrect the two past dead Hokage in like zombified form and turn them into sort of like shades of themselves. Um, But he's able to use them as like... And this comes back a lot. Yeah. um, He uses them as like rudimentary enthralled soldiers in his one-on-one fight. Well, it's like three-on-one at that point with uh, the third Hokage. I make mention of that because as Victoria says, it happens. Resurrection. Resurrection happens a lot in this series. And so Orochimaru kills the third Hokage, but not before the third Hokage exacts some kind of debilitating effect on Orochimaru's arms, making him unable to perform most ninjutsu. Is that permanent? Pretty much. Orochimaru has to go into hiding after that, and he's, like, super weak. And when Sasuke goes to find him, Orochimaru's like, great, but I gotta speed up my timeline real fast. Because whatever the third Hokage did to my arms, it's, like, affecting the rest of me, and I'm not long for this world. So he trains up Sasuke as fast as he can, and then eventually Orochimaru decides, even though I promised Sasuke that I would make him strong enough to kill his brother, and then Sasuke would do what I wanted, I gotta take his body now. And so he tries to do it, but Sasuke beats him and kills Orochimaru, quote-unquote. Secretly, Orochimaru has, like, sort of sealed himself within Sasuke in a dormant sort of state. Horcruxes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you're right. Gross. (sighs) And that comes back later when Sasuke eventually finds his brother, Itachi. So let's talk about Itachi and the people he has allied with known as the Akatsuki. I'm like, how do we summarize the Akatsuki? The big jacket boys. Yeah, they're the big jacket boys who wear the black robes with the red clouds. And they all are rogue ninjas who have abandoned their villages. They strike out their ninja headbands, which have the symbol of their village when they leave. So Itachi has the hidden leaf village symbol, but it's slashed out, which means he is a ninja with no allegiance. Full on spoilers, the Akatsuki was organized by this guy named Nagato. And this comes back once again to this whole idea of the three-man band or whatever. Yeah. um, The three-person team, because Nagato and... Uh... The other two teammates of Nagato's were (laughs) ninja... Well, actually, they were just street rats in a very small, heavily industrialized, war-torn, put-upon village called the Hidden Rain Village. And this village was kind of the center of, I think, the last great shinobi war, the, the last great ninja war. And that war saw Orochimaru and Jiraiya... Uh, Jiraiya being Naruto's eventual mentor, and Tsunade, who becomes the fifth Hokage, that three-person team, when they were still active leaf ninja together, they were a part of that ninja war. And they were, at one point, in the Hidden Rain Village, this war-torn area, just doing stuff for the Hidden Leaf. They were known as, like, the those three were known as the Sanin, because they were just super great, and I guess yeah, they had a name. Yeah, they're the legendary Sanin. Yes. And while they were there, they end up befriending these three sort of street rats from the Hidden Rain Village without parents. 
One of them being Nagato, this little kid with moppy red hair, like very red. Jiraiya really connects with Nagato and trains him up. And eventually Nagato and his three teammates, I forget the details, they end up forming their own sort of impromptu ninja trio. But Jiraiya and Tsunade and Orochimaru have to leave and so kind of abandon them in a way it's a little hazy. Nagato and his teammates sort of form their own group that goes beyond themselves and is kind of a militia in its own way. There's some kind of betrayal, and Nagato's teammate, the more precocious, the more Naruto-like teammate, ends up getting killed, assassinated, through some betrayal. And Nagato takes that, like, real hard. It's always one member of your team either dies or betrays the club, yeah. <laughs> betrays your team, and it's a big character... Defining de- moment. Yeah, defining moment. You gotta have that trauma to yeah. be an interesting character. And, <laughs> and, I mean, let's talk about trauma, because that becomes Nagato's defining trait after that point. He adopts the name Pain. Pain. Ooh, edgy. Yeah. Super <laughs> edgy. And his sole motive becomes, I'm going to show the world, but specifically the hidden leaf village, because that's where Jiraiya was from, and even though Jiraiya was cool, he abandoned me. I'm going to show the Hidden Leaf Village what true pain is. Mm. Um, And so he forms the Akatsuki, and the Akatsuki are these very eccentric sort of group of ninja with their own unique motives, some of which are just like, I create art made out of C4 explosives, and others being like, I've lived forever and I want money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I forget... Whatever. Ah, uh, yes, the um, ghost of JP. Yeah, they Morgan. really are an interesting bunch. <laughs> uh, and their whole thing becomes we're going to get as many of the tailed beasts sealed within. It's revealed that there are multiple tailed beasts, and there is at least like a ninja from every village that has a tailed beast sealed within them. Mm-hmm. And their whole goal becomes we're going to extract these tailed beasts from these ninja and you uh, use them to fuel some kind of crazy jutsu. Honestly, it doesn't. We're we're go we're going like far out from the original. Yeah. We're into Naruto Shippuden is yeah. the thing now. So, eventually Nagato gets what he wants and he attacks a hidden leaf village and he kind of nukes it with like a giant jutsu. Yeah. <laughs> it's always <laughs> as you said, it's always some yep. crazy jutsu. And Naruto shows up having trained a lot and he ends up. Uh, mm, he defeats Nagato, but more so what happens is when Nagato's on his last legs, he finds Nagato uh, hiding in a tree because um, he's Nagato's been remote piloting all of these like drones, basically, these, these like zombie drones. And he listens to Nagato's story and just goes like, wow, that's rough. I hear you. And Nagato's like, wow, <laughs> I guess that's all I needed. Naruto is kind of one of my favorite characters in a way because... He just unites everyone with the power of kindness and friendship. And rational thinking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it does become irrational because the whole reason why Naruto chases after Sasuke endlessly is because he wants Sasuke to know that people care about him. Irrational thinking, but also it's like, (laughs) Naruto, you're so sweet. Yeah. There's so much melodrama in Naruto. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun if you if you let yourself buy into it. But I just think that the overall arc of basically this kid who could have become like Sasuke or like how Gara was at the beginning, so cold and isolated to the world, Naruto could have been that. But instead he chooses to stay positive and help other people rather than just completely fall into his own self-serving power. 
And he all like he is really powerful. So again, he could have become just as horrendously powerful as like Nagato or like Toby. Obito. Yeah, let's talk about Toby. So Toby is one of the members of the Akatsuki. And when we first meet him, he wears a mask that's just a big swirl. Yeah, I've seen that mask. Yep. Yeah. And then I think one eye that pokes through. And that one eye eventually is revealed to be a Sharingan eye. So you're like, oh, what's going on there? Is this somebody who stole an eye? Or is this like an Uchiha, a surviving Uchiha? And Toby at first is very like, his voice acting is intentionally very like, oh, no. <laughs> he's, like the cl- he's like the clown of the Akatsuki in a way yeah. that you're like, how, literally all of these people in the Akatsuki are ruthless killers. Mm-hmm. And Toby's here, seemingly the most inept person out of any ninja we have ever seen, going like, oh, no, what am I going to do? I'm so useless. Like, he hams it up too much because huh. secretly, Toby is Obito, who is Kakashi's old teammate, Goggles Boy. Oh. Yeah. Goggles Boy survives. And he's the one who attacked the Hidden Leaf Village the day that Naruto's parents died. He's the reason why Naruto lost his parents. Interesting. Why okay. this tailed beast was unleashed upon the village. He's, like, behind a lot of things, actually. Yeah. He, <laughs> when his voice acting changes, it goes from that to, like, I'm Obito. Yeah. <laughs> ah, Sasuke, there's so much you don't know. Yeah. It's a very dramatic shift. Honestly, I really like his performance. Have you seen yeah. my goggles? Have I you mean, seen- it's the perfect way to stay under the radar because at first, no one suspects who he is or what he's done. And then when the reveal happens, I think I remember I was reading the manga when the reveal happened and I was like, like mind blown. <laughs> Toby's thing, I forget how this connects back, but it becomes related to Sasuke's journey. Because what happens is, when Sasuke eventually defeats Orochimaru, Orochimaru sort of incepts himself inside Sasuke as just like a hidden little sleeper cell consciousness. Horcrux. Horcrux. And then Sasuke finds Itachi, his brother. Sasuke's like, all right, I'm super powerful now. I'm going to kill you. And Itachi's, uh, Itachi's been kind of waiting for him. Itachi knows. Itachi knows. And Itachi's motives are pretty severely hidden until this point. Mm -hmm. And so Itachi and Sasuke fight. It's a pretty wild fight. It's pretty great, honestly. Because Itachi's great propensity is for something called Genjutsu, which is basically your ability to create illusions for your opponent and place them in kind of like a warped sense of reality. And Itachi's so good at it that he creates like Genjutsu within Genjutsu. And so the first stage of the fight is just Sasuke and Itachi fighting like purely mentally. Yeah, That's really cool. Yeah. They're kind of going back and forth. Itachi generally has the upper hand, but he's sort of like what we learn at the end of the fight is even though it's it seems pretty even, Itachi's been fighting with like one hand tied behind his back metaphorically because Itachi's whole goal is to wear down Sasuke enough that Sasuke relies on the curse mark that Orochimaru gave him too much to the point that Orochimaru's little horcrux consciousness comes to the forefront of Sasuke and eventually Sasuke starts losing control of himself and he starts like all these like snake jutsu he's been using that he took from Orochimaru like overtakes him and we see like this giant snake head come out as a part of this you know snake summoning jutsu and Orochimaru's wiggly head comes out of this snake's mouth and Orochimaru's like ah yes the moment I've been waiting for Sasuke is weak enough and I'm going to overtake him and Itachi's like oh great this is exactly what I've been trying to get to happen for the last 45 minutes because I know that Orochimaru's like hiding himself in Sasuke and immediately just like stabs Orochimaru's head and Orochimaru's like oh 
<laughs> and then that's like pretty much the end of Orochimaru until resurrections happen later because again lots of resurrections happen right of course but then it reaches the end and Sasuke is all worn out and there's this wonderful moment where Itachi walks up to him and, and Itachi's super worn out he's like mortally wounded and Sasuke's like oh no <laughs> my brother's straight up gonna kill me and Itachi does this thing that he always used to do uh, when he and Sasuke were on better terms when they were kids which is he'd take two fingers and just kind of poke Sasuke in the forehead and so he's reaching out Itachi's reaching out and Sasuke's like oh he's gonna steal my eyes because there's this thing with the Uchiha clan where it's like if you kill like a trusted friend or family member you can make your Sharingan all the more powerful or something like that that's and, healthy yeah well also just going back to the Sharingan the way you activate the Sharingan is going through like a big emotional event that's true yeah huh so it so Sasuke's like oh no Itachi's reaching out with his fingers to take my uh Sharingan to take my eyes and instead Itachi just pokes him in the head and then just collapses and, and dies leaving Sasuke to be like Oh, Itachi dies? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Itachi, his whole point in that fight was just to save Sasuke from Orochimaru being trapped inside him. And then he dies and Sasuke's left going, what the heck was that? Yeah. Sasuke, for his entire life, has misunderstood Itachi and his intentions and his goals, which is purposeful because Itachi made strong efforts to ensure that all of his motivations were very unclear and hidden, which is, again, for the audience, we see Itachi for the whole series being, like, super powerful, like, very imposing, very cruel and evil-looking, and then he does that, and you're like, what? And then Sasuke meets Tobi, Obito, and Tobi introduces himself as not who he actually is. He says that he is someone named Madara Uchiha. Madara is supposedly the founder of the Uchiha clan. Yeah. Like, if Madara is alive, he should be at, like, hundreds of years old. And so Sasuke's like, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but nothing is making sense nowadays, <laughs> so just keep on talking. Yeah. And then Tobi basically reveals to Sasuke, so here's why Itachi did everything he did. The Uchiha clan has never been on good terms with most of the other Hidden Leaf Village from way back in the day. And the Uchiha clan was planning a coup of the Hidden Leaf Village. The third Hokage and the other sort of like upper echelons of the Hidden Leaf Village got wind of this and were planning to wipe out everyone in the Uchiha clan to prevent that from happening. Remember when I said they'll draw the line at human experimentation, but yeah. not at clan genocide? Gotcha. This is what I mean. And so this becomes something, I forget if it's something the third Hokage knew about or if it was something that was just known to the ninja CIA, the Anbu Black Ops. Remember when we talked about that guy who plants a bunch of eyes in his arm? I'm in. I'm in. That's a guy named Donzo who the, for the whole series is just wearing a bunch of bandages and you're thinking, oh, is he like some old ninja who got like super wounded and he's just like this all the time? Not. Nah, he's just hiding a bunch of Sharingan that he stole from a bunch of killed Uchiha members that he planted all within his arms. Oh. Because he's the kind of person who's like, I will do whatever it takes to keep the Hidden Leaf Village alive, even if it's morally reprehensible. <laughs> and so when Sasuke learns this, and he learns that Itachi basically, Itachi being a part of the Anbu Black Ops at the time, made a deal, essentially. From what I remember, I think Itachi made a deal like, hey, I'll do it, but my brother's off limits. Interesting. Mm. Oh, okay. It was something like that. The action was accurate, but the... The motivations behind the action were different. Yeah. yeah. And so Sasuke learns that, like, oh, this was an inside job. My brother was Basically between... forced to. Yeah. yeah. Itachi really had no choice. It was like, everyone's going to die regardless. 
So why don't I try and broker a deal so at least my younger brother doesn't have to die? And so Sasuke, from that point on, is like, yeah, Obito, I'm with you. What do you want to do? Completely disrupt all of ninja society in the world? Sounds good to me, because that's super messed up, what they did. Eventually, Sasuke kills Donzo, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, Donzo, the head of the ninja CIA or whatever. More or less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Donzo ends up doing something at the end where he creates a little black hole that kills himself, but Sasuke beats him. And then Sasuke's whole mission is he becomes a full-time rogue ninja and tries to enact a bunch of plans with Obito that will... As far as Sasuke knows, it's to disrupt the ninja world and, like, kill all of the different ninja leaders. And Sasuke's motivation is very vague in the sense that he's not trying to enact a specific change as far as I know. He's just like, let's burn it all down. He's not trying to make the world a better place. He's just trying to make the world... Not. (laughs) Know know that he is upset. Yeah. Yeah. And Obito's whole motivation is that Obito, even though he introduced himself as Madara, isn't Madara. Because Madara would be hundreds of years old. Of course he's dead. Surprise, Madara is actually alive. Yep. And has been keeping himself alive, fueled on, I don't know, bespoke ninjutsu and rage and hate. And this is when we learn that some of these conflicts are, like, generations old. Yeah. (laughs) And there's weird ideas of, like, reincarnation that just kind of get thrown in of, like, oh, Naruto carries the will of this ancient clan of this guy who had a rivalry with his ancient Uchiha, uh, and that ancient Uchiha is carrying that will that is now in Sasuke. And so they just start, like, drawing these super long strings from, like, way back into the past up to the front. When you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes and manga books of content, I guess you eventually do get to this point in the story where you're just like, what? It's too big. It's too big. And eventually, because eventually what happens is Madara starts what becomes the fourth ninja war. And it's basically, as far as I understand it, it's Madara versus all of the ninja nations. And it's like, how does that work? Well, what's a super powerful ancient quasi-immortal ninja gonna do when he needs a bunch of soldiers stat he's going to resurrect everyone who has been killed in the series to be his zombie soldiers and then so some people end up having to fight like their relatives or friends who have been reincarnated so it's like really sad (laughs) yeah and then sometimes people come back to life and i think stay alive or something well because you know the one character who doesn't come back to life (laughs) So all so many people die and so many people are brought back to life and all of our main cast stay alive like all of our side ninja from the leaf village that we meet except right. for one. Choji? No. 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 Who? What? Neji dies. I'm still not over it. <laughs> it's been so So many long. people were sad that Neji oh. dies. Neji okay, dies. I remember you talking to me. I confused Choji and Neji. Oh, okay. Okay. I I think I was in high school when that happened in the manga. And I never got to, I could not watch the episode in the anime because I was too sad. (laughs) Well, Neji's a great character. I know. And the way he dies. He has a whole arc. Because he dies sacrificing himself for Naruto and Hinata. I know, right? (sighs) Dang. He was right all along. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) His life mission was to die for Hinata. Yay, he did it. At the end, he thanks Naruto for changing his mind on the whole, like, sealed fate type of thing he kind of realizes how his father felt when he sacrificed himself for his family and he's like yeah i realized i'm okay with that and then he dies 
And I'm still sad about it. <laughs> Dang. Rest in peace, Neji. Yeah. Yeah. Orochimaru comes back at the end. <laughs> of course he does. I forget how. I forget I forget if he was actually killed and resurrected or if he just had some other horcrux thing somewhere going. It's of course so he does. so complicated. There's like an ending series where it's like, oh, Naruto and Hinata's wedding. And Orochimaru, I think, is just like a waiter in the Hidden Leaf Village. What? Yeah, he's just like waiting tables. Eventually, Orochimaru is just like, oh, I realize now I can't be an absolutely inhumane monster. It's much better if I like work with people. And the Hidden Leaf Village <laughs> is like fine with us and then orochimaru reforms the hidden sound village in a more legit way wild yeah orochimaru makes like a i don't know a kid slash clone yeah he makes himself a a sun clone and that's one of in the successor series boruto uh teammates yeah oh wow in boruto his teammates are sasuke and sakura's daughter and then orochimaru's clone clone son. son so Again, with the foil of the three characters, it just continues on. Just, Fiction is crazy. Yeah. Fiction you know, is wild. If we sit here for 10 hours, we could probably tell you all the lore of Naruto. Yeah. I mean, this is the fast track through yeah. things. There's so much story. There's so much lore. So many characters. The power crawl with these characters, the fights is crazy. They yeah. all get so powerful that mm-hmm. at, at some point, the fights between them feel almost insignificant Yeah, because oh, they're just thing, too strong. Yeah, one thing I realized is in the episode where Orochimaru reveals himself to Kakashi early on in the Chunin exams, I realized at that point, Kakashi is not powerful enough to fight Orochimaru. Like, he's bluffing when he's, like, forming the Chidori. He's completely bluffing. He's like, oh, thank God he didn't attack me because I would have (laughs) died. Yeah. But later on, Kakashi becomes really powerful. So even, like, at the beginning, even Kakashi was not that strong. But at the end, everyone just becomes... Basically, Naruto and Sasuke become, like, gods. They're all just gods. Yeah. Yeah. Like, at the beginning of the series, it's like, let's see if you can make one clone of yourself. And Naruto <laughs> kind of makes a doofy clone. And by the end of the series, Naruto's like, I can fully transform into the nine-tailed fox with Super Saiyan powers and fight Sasuke on the moon. That's manga. Yep. That's manga. That's manga. That's, That's anime manga. Crawl. Yeah. I feel like we have to come back to Naruto at some point because there's still so much to unpack. I'm very happy to see that so much of today was just like, hey, here's the full-on, like, broad terms story download. Yeah. Just so we all have some context of what the series is and is about. I just have a lot of emotions and feelings about Naruto. We didn't even get into that. Yeah, well, we'll have to do another episode where we dive deeper. Yeah. And talk about the various things that matter to us, I suppose. Yeah. I, I would like to end on one one final story from my childhood. When I was in fifth or sixth grade, we were all obsessed with Naruto. One thing that we all thought was really cool was their hand symbol jutsus, where they would rapidly form different symbols with their hands to produce these magical effects. I didn't know at the time that those are real hand symbols that are used by real spiritual or religious practices in Japan. Each symbol actually has an actual meaning. So I wanted to make my own jutsu, so I just made up some weird (gasps) hand movements. I was like, this is like a wind tornado or something Th- nice. that was my jutsu like like a lot of my friends had like their jutsu or they just memorized chitori or whatever and so i would just like do these hand movements all the time as a kid because they were fun and i would just imagine myself like sending wind tornadoes everywhere or something <laughs> and then during a school trip i got told off for some reason i don't remember why 
But one of the teachers came up and told me off for goofing off or throwing, dropping something. I don't know why. And I got in trouble. And as she was walking away, I did that hand jutsu thing at her. <gasps> and I imagined blowing a wind tornado at her because I was so embarrassed and upset. <laughs> and I was like, that was like that. And it was fairly harmless, I guess. But a chaperone saw me do it. And she was an ultra religious, oh, extremely no. Christian woman and she saw me do this hand symbol and then like push it towards my teacher (laughs) oh my and she was like satan satan's in this child and she grabbed me and she was like what does it mean what does it mean and i was like oh i don't know how to explain this (laughs) so Um, there's this anime called naruto listen to our episode of nostalgia club she looked ready to exercise me exercise exercise me she looked ready to exercise me and i was saved by a third adults another teacher came up and said it's okay calm down i know what this is it's naruto (laughs) they're just it's pretend magic it's fine don't worry about it and she like saved me from death i suppose but i just have a very strong that memory of being grabbed suddenly by the arms by some strange woman by this by this tall blonde woman being yelled like what are you what does it mean (laughs) i'm just like i don't know (laughs) i made it up it's not real it's from a japanese cartoon (laughs) wow which honestly in her mind was probably the equivalent of like if you're if you're that like It was still just as bad, probably. But wow. Yeah, you shouldn't... Don't grab children as a chaperone. Yeah, just don't. Don't grab children that you don't know (laughs) and yell at them. Yeah. It was like a public place, too. We were at uh, some... We were sitting at like a restaurant for dinner or something. Wow. Because it was a field trip, some kind of like excursion. Yeah. So it wasn't even in like the classroom. No, yeah. That's why we had chaperones. Oh, yeah. It was a very... It was a loud public display of like... This child has cursed the teacher with dark magic. Like, no. It's just know, a wind tornado. I know we're in Texas, but you can you can just you can just accept that I'm a child. <laughs> wow. And I don't have dark magic. I didn't get that till I was in college. <laughs> well. Well, thank you for yeah. <laughs> listening to Nostalgia Club. Naruto episode one. Yeah. <laughs> Part one. <laughs> Stay tuned for when we maybe try to dive into another Naruto episode. Yeah, we'll see. But again, like Michael said at the beginning, there's no separation of arcs, really. It's just one long, continuous struggle. So who knows? Who knows? I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Anyways, thank you for listening. Catch us on the next episode of Nostalgia Club. And in the meantime, believe it. We didn't even explain the believe it at all. It's okay. It's something Naruto says all the time. It's a Watch translation thing. It it doesn't matter. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Bakugan. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Nostalgia Club. If you enjoyed the episode, follow us on Twitter at underscore Nostalgia Club and on Instagram at Nostalgia Club Podcast. Leave a comment, give us a rating, and subscribe. You can also send us an email with your suggestions for what we should review next at nostalgiaclubpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, hey, Gina. Hey, Casey. I just was wondering if you had a, a couple of minutes to talk about a quick story. Oh.
You're doing the thing. Sure. Yeah, you know, the thing. I just I just wanted to pitch you this idea about uh, a cool story we've been consuming. You ready? Yeah, go for it. So this is climactic battle. Uh, these two parents, a mother and father, battling this powerful undying evil that threatens to extinguish everything they know and love. And they both perish, but not before passing along a special ability to their son. Their son grows up and has an incredibly tough childhood, judged by his peers and estranged from society. His father figure, his, his surrogate father figure, believes in him, but they don't see eye to eye. And this, this boy often goes out of his way to antagonize him. Eventually, the boy graduates from military academy and joins two other young warriors on a mission to discover who he, who he really is as he explores the wider world. He faces threats, not only from within, but from without. He's also a ninja who can clone himself, and the bad guy is a snake man who licks children. It's Naruto! It's Naruto, Casey! He licks children! This sounds so close to where alive, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you have me until the licking children part. Boy, I hope I sure hope you haven't written a character who licks children. Please, please don't. Shit. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> change that now. Oh man, season two, I gotta throw it all away. Oh no! You heard it right here, folks. Casey Whalen admitting that <laughs> Naruto. That Naruto is like we're alive to set it. <laughs> I did. I did. All that's legitimately like another storyline. I did stretch it a little bit. It's he's not. He's not. He doesn't have special blood. He's got the. He's got a demon in his belly. But you know, besides that. Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's it's interesting though. Like, uh, I mean, there's a lot of hero's journey in there. It's like it's Joseph Campbell esque, if you know the reference. Sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know what? That yeah, just that just proves of that. that just proves what a great storyteller you are, Casey. Because because <laughs> I just take the arcs <laughs> from other things so that don't they don't think about it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, well, have a great day. Uh, thank you for everything you do. Me and you have a good day. Bye. Sorry, I was laughing too much. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as Casey started laughing, I was like, we got him. <laughs> he knows. We got him. <laughs> we got him. Ladies and gentlemen, cotton, uh, not 4K, cotton 48K, 48 kilohertz, oh, whatever.